We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. Has been given to us in heaven and earth by the power of Jesus' name. I want to back that up, that Jesus said that. He gave us all authority. So right now, would you say this with me? So right now, not tomorrow, not yesterday, right now, we declare that our children are arrows in the hands of warriors. And we pray that you would anoint these warriors. And we pray that you would anoint these arrows. Say it, to go further, to be more accurate than the arrows that they are around. Let us see miracles. Let us see wonders that are done at the hands of these arrows. Let them be witnesses at school and give them courage. Would you say that with me? Give them courage. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Parents of kids going into school and the parents of kids in general. Um, you know, when I was in elementary school, I had a writing teacher have us uh, write a letter to our past selves. And when you're asked to do that, you can do one of two things. You can write to regret or you can write to celebrate. And today I want to tell you that you should write a letter to your kids, whether that's spiritually, physically, or emotionally, but write it to celebrate. That's good. That's good. This is a word I thought I had for the, the children. I've called you as lights in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. Go forth boldly, proclaim my word, live for me, shine, and I will use you to touch the lives of others. And I want this generation to break the trend of previous generations and rise up in faith, serve me with all of their hearts, and change this world. Amen. That'll preach easy, right? To, to, to previous generations, but it's kind of like we believe, I kind of believe that this is the last one. So they better, they best do it. Amen. I agree with you. Um, as I was taking pictures of people praying for their kids, I noticed that it's super easy to hold on to the little guys because they're so little and they're, you know, in your arms and whatever. But a few weeks ago, you prayed over all the graduates, and Paul and I both said, if somebody had spoken truth into our life at that age, it would have made a huge difference of the path that we would have taken. So I just want to encourage people. I have kids that are 30, 33, um, 31, 32. They're all up there. And then we have Amira, who's going to be five. They're all equally important to us. And we have to remember to pray for the big guys too, because they still get lost and they still get broken. And so don't forget the kids that are unreachable or you know not as clingy or not as coming to you you know what I mean like even when you feel like they're distant pray for them anyway if you have a child that's 
prodigal or not not with you, not at home, and is not serving Jesus, you don't have to raise your hand, but just kind of do something. We're going to pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we do agree. We do declare there is no weapon that formed against us that shall prosper, and we know that there are children, there are children that are 20 and 30 and 40 years old who have not come back to you, and we call them back in Jesus' name. Yes, there's nothing special about our prayer, but there is something special about you, and I pray for those who have deferred hope, that have lost hope, that don't believe that it'll ever happen. Yes, we have faith that can move a mountain if we have just the faith of a mustard seed. And I call that mountain to be removed in their life, that they would come back to you, that they would not they would come back to their first love. If they never met you yet, I pray that you put that person in their life. I pray that you would direct that person to them that shows them the error of their way in a loving way and shows them truth. In Jesus' name, we pray that for Jeff and Janet. In Jesus' name, we pray for the, your son. In Jesus' name, anyone here that has that, we believe for that, we expect. In Jesus' name, amen. Anyone, anyone else that wants to share something? God doing this? Like, no, it's not God. It's the word says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He is a He loves you. He gave His Son for you. It, oh my God, His love for you is just so overwhelming. If we could just get a hold of God's love for us, He's a blesser. He is a giver. He gives. He gives. He gives. He gave Jesus not so that you could run and hide and cower down, but so that you could have life more abundantly. Abundant life. Not that we can cower down. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit that carries the love of Jesus to a lost and broken world. It says in the word that the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Just go out and love people. Just people that you see, just bless them. Just love them. They'll see it like, why are you doing this to me? Who am I? And say, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you and he sent me and I'm, he's inside of me and he wants to bless you. He wants to give you something. He wants to let you know that he loves you. That's all we have to do. That's the call that we have in our lives is to take the love that God has shown us. Accept it. Don't reject it. Don't say I'm not good enough. Nobody's good enough. That's what's so amazing about his love. It's not conditional. There's no condition. And all we have to do is take that, receive it, accept it, and go give it out to everybody that we encounter. Thank you. Amen. Wish, wish that you would be excited about it. Mm -hmm. It's the joy of the Lord on him. Need more of that. Everyone needs more of that, too. This is for that person who thinks God has left them behind and doesn't hear their prayer. Pastor Stephen said that this job that I got was not by a mistake, and it wasn't because I didn't apply for this job. And uh, um, I thought, when is it my time, God? And um, I was telling Chappie that I had had Spanish through high school and some in college, and the next day he called me and wanted me to come in for an interview. The, the night before, Julie Brockett had asked me, what is it that you want? And I said, I want my own classroom. And God gave it to me. And I know that I'm petrified 
but I'm going to do it scared. Whoever was here for that sermon a long time ago, I'm going to do it scared because God's given it to me. So those of you who thought that God has left you, he hasn't. It'll come when you least expect it. I just want to mention the fact that I work in a secular school, and I've actually had some flack from Christians um, saying, how come you're in a secular school? You should be in a Christian school where you can preach about God and, and everything. But if all of the Christian teachers were taken out of the secular school, there wouldn't be any Christians in those schools to talk to those children. So I covet your prayers tremendously because those of you that have followed any of the news at all know how difficult it is for a teacher, a Christian teacher in a secular school who teaches science to talk about God. I do. I've been doing this for 26 years. This is my 27th year teaching middle school science, and I talk about God every year, and I've never yet been fired. I've never even been called on it. But the day's going to come where I'm not going to be able to do that. So please pray for the Christian teachers that are in secular schools. Uh, pray for all the teachers, but I mean the ones in secular schools really need an extra dosing of the Holy Spirit so that we can reach to those kids. I have students come to me all the time and ask me to pray for them. Not at school, but please pray for my family because they know. They know I'm a Christian. Do you, have, do you have a quick one or are you just standing? Just stand, okay. Would you be seated, y'all? Seconds. Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of, of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsions, for God loves under cheerfully cheerful giver you can cheerfully give in the basket or online let's pray dear father god please bless this offering and use it for your good amen about helping the next generation climb to the top and at the same time you got to get to the top too or else they won't ever make it to the top amen today is back to school sunday and i'm gonna skip all that okay but i want to just go back to psalms 127 for a minute would you look at that scripture again it says behold our children are a heritage and the thing that we often say as americans is that, am i too loud you don't like that, how loud I am? No. Could you make sure I'm not so loud? Because I won't quiet down. I'll probably just get louder. So, Behold, our children are a heritage from the Lord. Often we would say, and I, not me, but not anyone in this room, but some people would say, Behold, my children are a hassle. They are a hassle. Any child is a hassle to me because he's a lot of work. Would you agree with me? Don't. Don't agree. Say, no, not me. No, I would never say that. They are not. They are a heritage. And I 
want us to remember that um, part of our DNA as a church is that kids aren't a, um, aren't a hindrance, but they are what's going to help us to reach the next level. They are what are going to help us to reach revival, whatever that might mean to you, of seeing Jesus more clearly because we must all become like children. Would you pray Lord, pray with me? Lord, I pray that you'd anoint this scripture as, as we look at it closely, and I pray that you would um, encourage us to be challenged to live on another level in our walk with you. Lord, I pray that we would uh, try harder, we would reach further, that we would pull our kids closer to us so that they could reach their target, and I pray that every person in this room would feel uh, deputized and given the authority to do what you have called them to do in a greater way. Would you turn to 2 Kings uh, chapter 11? We want to look at that as well. I believe this is a, a blueprint in some ways for how the church must reach this generation. You know, mountains dotted the landscape of the Bible. 500 times they're mentioned. And it's alluded to in the Bible that the mountain is a place of greatness. When you get to the mountain, you're closer to God, and uh, living in 2018's most desirable city, uh, Colorado Springs, by U.S. News and World Report. Thank you very much. Young man, you're going to need to quiet down. He is staying out of class for a while, and you're going to have to learn to be quiet with everyone else, okay? You have to be quiet. I can do this to my own son. She, he, he can't get offended. <laughs> um, you know, we were na named number one, I guess, the best place to live. And it's probably because of our beautiful mountains. We have the privilege of seeing them every day and seeing God's greatness. But we all know what it takes. Well, at least we have an idea what it takes, what it would take to get to the top of the mountain if we were to climb it. I know there's a place called the incline. I haven't even taken enough initiative to actually go to the incline and look at it, but I know that it must be tall. And I read it online that it says like a million steps, and it's not just an easy hike, so don't do this unless you are ready for a challenge. We know that it is a challenge to climb a mountain, and our kids climb mountains every day at school. I wanted to make mention that I have the, my name tag on, and my name is Steven, in case you didn't know. We have name tags in the back, and different weeks we're going to initiate that this is name tag week. So if you see people with name tags on, that means you put one on too. There's a big sign that says, grab a tag. And that's we do that so that we can get to know each other. So Sarah knows my name, Steven. I know her name because she has a name tag on. Wink, wink, probably. Um, our kids climb mountains every day at school. We take it for granted. Oh, it's not so tough. When I was a kid, it was, yeah, it was tough, but it, you know, we thought it was hard to live as a Christian or just to live in, in, in at school. We thought it was hard as when we were kids. It is so much more difficult for our children to uh, be to to go, to grow up in school. He's a principal at a Christian school, and even there, there are temptations and there are things that cause kids to, um, you know, it's just it's just rough. And I t I don't want to talk about the bad news. I'm going to talk about the good news. But how do we support a generation and help them to climb to the top? I think this three verse narrative in in Second Kings chapter eleven, verse one through three. I'm going to read it in the New King James Version. I think it has the prophetic edge 
for our kids to be countercultural for us as leaders in their lives to support them and get them to where they need to go. All right. This first verse is going to be so interesting to you. Let me I'm gonna read it really fast. It's good to read in the morning if you want a tongue twister. It says, When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all of the royal heirs. Let me just tell you right now, go back. Athaliah, go back to first 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 one. Athaliah was the daughter of a lady named Jezebel. Horrible. Everyone can say boo to that. Yes, she is a horrible person, all right? So now she's reigning in the land and saw that her son was dead. She arose and she wanted to destroy all these people that were going to take over the, the country because she wanted to take it over in her way. Verse 2. Jehosheba, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah. <laughs> Isn't that so good? Isn't it just minister to you? Let's just stop right there. Lord, thank you for this word. And stole him. Everybody say Joash, because that's the one we're looking, we're trying to center on here. And they wanted to make sure everyone knew who Joash was and that he was relation to Jezebel from a long time ago. That's why it's all there. But I just told it to you. So now you know. You didn't have to study it yourself. Stole him away from among everyone's on the edge of their seat. The king's sons who are being murdered because Athaliah was killing them all, so she stole this little guy, Joash, away. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom from Athaliah so that he was not killed. So he was hidden with her in the house. The important part of this is if you see after that what it says, it wasn't just a bedroom. It says he was hidden with him in the house of the Lord for six years. If you study this out, it was a a temple. It was not a uh, makeshift church. It was a temple where she hid him for six years all the way until this blankety-blank Athaliah reigned over the land. Here is the good news about Athaliah. They killed the lady. They killed her, and she was dead. That's the good news. The bad news is this, that her spirit of killing babies and destroying a generation is still alive in our nation today. That's, that's, that's ugly to say. Now I'm going to go back to the good news. The good news is this. And I'm almost done with the message here, and and this is this. I I spoke this about a year ago because it's a prophetic word for our church, and it deserves being repeated. The good news is that there is still a house in town. Did you hear me? There is still a house in town. Yes, you could say this in any town, but we're going to say in Colorado Springs, we have about 90 of them, maybe more. And hopefully they're all doing what we're doing, that they would hide our kids in the house. Not to shelter them, oh, don't look at that, close your eyes. But that, that, our, stu- that our kids would not um, decide not to sin because we've taken away all of the, uh, the menu. No, the menu is still going to be out there. I think I'll try this. I think I'll try. The menu is still out there, but hopefully as they get deeper, as they grow more, as they love Jesus, as Jesus calls them closer to him, as we pull them closer to us, that 
their appetite for the menu would change, that they would not want this and that. I talked to my son very, very honestly. My son Noah, he's almost, he's 19. And I say, now, I, I talk about different sins, right? I say, now, would you ever do this at college? Would you ever, like, you know, whatever it is. I talk, and he says, um, well, some things he's honest, you know, that, that's a temptation, girls, okay, there's a temptation, but then we talk about some other things like drugs and different, and he says, I would never, ever do that, I don't even care to, I don't want that in my life, I would never even think of that, his appetite for the menu has changed, I didn't take away the menu, he's seen the menu his whole life, but his appetite changed, and I would say to you today, because it's not on the notes, I would say, We must hide our kids in the house of the Lord, not just for six years, but for their lives so that when they turn 18 or when they turn 17 and they get out of the house, that they'd still stay in the house. They would stay in the house. I like that the Bible sometimes calls the church the house. It seems more friendly. It seems more family because growing up, the church to me often seemed, not, not that he did a great bad job. You did a great job, Dad. In case you were listening to this, you did a great job. But at times, church was boring to me. And I thought, when I die and go to heaven, I'm going to be in church all forever. I don't know. It doesn't sound so fun. But that's, that's not what it's about at all, is it? But it is a house where God lives and he changes us. So they killed the lady. The daughter of Jezebel is, is dead. And they're, now they're in this world. There is a spirit of her still alive. And the good news is there's a house in town. And I love that we are a part of that house. And I want to just say something. Thank goodness. Thank the Lord, I suppose, for Little League. I don't know if you've seen Little League, for Boy Scouts, for all of these different organizations. So is anyone watching the Little League world? The I love it. Me, me and some, one person in the room. When we watch it, we'll talk to you about it. We know every team. We know the players. We know, hi, my name is Bobby. Hi, my name is Bobby Bobo, and my favorite player is uh, Jane Victorino, and, and they, they do this at the beginning of every game. We know every kid, right? It's amazing what Little League teaches our kids. It might teach them things about relationships and things, but it's a sport. It's not their spiritual walk with Jesus. I'm thankful that there is sports and that there are clubs and there are hobbies, but I am thankful for the house. And I declare two things over this house right here. I declare that this new song family will be number one. Write it down in your mind or in your tape, in your phone or somewhere. This house will be a house, number one, of protection. There is a pessimistic spirit that is out to steal our kids' identities in the land today. Our kids are str struggle with security, insecurity. They struggle with depression. They struggle with suicide. They struggle with, oh, I wonder if people are going to like me. All of these kind of things. Yes, they had those things when we were kids, but it's magnified one million percent. And I declare that this would be a house of protection so that they do not suffer from identity theft 
in a world that would love to say, you are not a child of God. You are not who people, who your church says you are. You are not who your parents prophesied over you. You are a loser. You are ugly. I don't like the way you, your nose looks. I don't like the, whatever the enemy can use, he will use to steal away our kids' identity that they are called they are called by God to do amazing things, that they are a royal priesthood, a, a people belonging to God that will declare the praises of him and call people out of darkness into his wonderful light. We must show them. We must show them by example. This guy, Joash, that we were talking about in the Bible, he was hidden in the house for six years. Do you know what he did on his seventh birthday? Maybe it was the eighth. Maybe it was the seventh. Maybe it was the sixth. He became the king. Now, we can't become kings, our kids. Or can they become kings? He became a king at six years old, and he was a great king for a long time. There was a guy named Kendall Crouch in his church. I'm looking at Kendall right now, and I just wanted to wake him up because he was asleep. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. There was a guy in his church named Jehoiada, J-E-H-H-O-I-D-A. He was the high priest. And guess who? Joash hung out with Jehoiada. I don't know how to say it. He was Japanese, okay? He hung out with him, and he showed him the ropes of serving God and not Baal and not the gods of this world. And it says that Joash was a good king who ruled over the land, but at some point, he moved on, the high priest, the Japanese guy. He moved on. And it was all up to Joash by himself. And guess what Joash did? Continue to serve Jesus? No, I would love that. That would make the perfect ending to our sermon. In fact, what happened is that Joash got tempted by all of his other leaders and said, stop serving God. Get rid of these temples to the Lord and build temples to Baal. And that's exactly what he did because he lost the influence, because he got out of the house of protection. And I declare, even if our kids are only here for six years or six months or six weeks or six Sundays, that they would find enough protection that when they get out there and there are these gods of Baal and these tempters, that they would never give in to those things and that they would stay a good king over those that they lead. Amen? Let's, let's move on just very quickly to the last thing. I declare this is, number one, a house of protection, but that also that it's a house of, I'm not going to tell you yet. I want to share something with you. I love it when kids, I hear this story often at our church and every other church hears this too, because there's something about kids that causes us to make sure we stay in church. And I hear this often, and one particular kid in the church here said to his mom, mom, and the mom didn't feel like going to church, and the kid said to the mom, but I have to go to church. I can't wait. Can we please, please, please go? That's what we want to hear from our kids. I say that to say this. We want our kids to be like Jesus. Jesus was amazing at 30, but do you know when he was 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. Mary and Joseph, Anna and Mark, 
Bill and Juanita, they had no idea what their kid was saying. You must be about your father's business. Well, your father is a carpenter, so you better get to work with them. They had no idea, which leads me to the other thing I want to declare, that we are a house of prophecy. Because what Jesus was saying to his parents, his parents could not even comprehend what he was saying. But I believe our kids would not say, I have to go to church. All right, you are making me serve Jesus. Oh, I don't want to read my Bible. But they would say, I must, mom and dad. And the mom and dad would drop, their jaw would drop to the ground and say, what is going on? What has happened to my child? But I declare, I prophesy that our kids would not look at who they think they are, but who God has made them. And they would say, I must be about my father's business because we are not, we are not. He's been pretty good, hasn't he? I'm a pretty good preacher. You're listening to me. Are you listening? We are not playing defense, Jaden. We are not playing defense with the, with the world. We are on the offense and we must have a prophetic edge about us. This house will be a place where our kids, now Brady said something awesome and I'm not talking against that. I'm saying this. We need to be a house not where we remind our kids of their past. Right, Amira? Right? That we are not reminded of our past but that we I want to say this right. But that we encourage them about their future. Amen? Because we are a prophetic place. God is a prophetic God. He's always been. He wrote a book. It's called the Bible. And it's a Bible of prophetic. The whole first half is about the second half. That's the way God works. He calls us to be prophetic people. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.